You're listening to Holy Family Parish in Hanover, Ontario, Canada. We're so glad you could join us for this presentation. For more podcasts and video, and to learn more about us, visit our website at holyfamily.ca. Yeah. Hello, everyone. Welcome to, usually you say. Thursday Night Appetizer. Yeah. We're trying a different format today. Tell us if you like it or not. Nobody's watching this. You're not going to tell us. Um, Lou and Mark tell us things. The, the camera's going to bother me a little bit. Just okay. Move it up here. Back a little. Ow. It attacked you because yep. you said it was going to bother you a little bit. I got zapped. So, what's new? Uh, this week we're doing one of the greatest and at the same time like most overdone passages of the Bible, which is the story of the prodigal son. So, mm -hmm. And I'm preaching this coming Sunday, so I'm hoping that by sharing about this passage we'll get some insight. Yep. The Holy Spirit will inspire me to see something that will get people's attention. Because it's, it's, it's kind of a cliche, you know, the younger son wastes everything, comes back home, father welcomes him. The older son, not that interested. I'm, I'm sounding a bit like you. You've been saying that. This, yeah, whenever it comes to one of these readings where you, you've just reviewed it so many times mm -hmm. and like reflected on it so many times in like events and stuff, Prodigal Son's one of those things. It's in the Alpha series in uh, number three. I remember. And uh, so, yeah, we reflect on it a lot. Hopefully, the Holy Spirit will inspire something new today get our attention get our attention i need my attention god because i am out of it you're like a zombie today yeah and we're going to try using just one camera we're not going to switch around and even though it took us like twice as long to set up hopefully next time it won't that's right and we have a bunch of we're probably going to be in this venue here more often because i'm losing my space again giving it up giving it up Cheryl always, you know, freaks out whenever I say that. Cheryl is uh, works for the parish here, and when Sam had to move his... She's the one who kicked me out of my office. Well, no, she didn't. That's the other way around. You offered your office when she had to leave her office. Sure. Uh, God bless me. Let's be honest. God bless you. Thank you. Hey, uh, let's talk Am about... I to bless you? I'm not a deacon or a priest. Oh, yeah, you can. Every Christian can. Actually, anyone can. Okay, so we are actually working through a theme, which is Journey to the Cross, mm -hmm. I think. Uh, yeah, my mic's somewhere. Oh, no, my mic is not working anymore. Just your mic is. So here, how about we go like this? Share it. And we'll put it right there. And that should work. My mic's dead. So, um, yes, journey to the cross through the labyrinth of life to the hope of Easter. You know, just this afternoon, I feel like we've been in a labyrinth because so many things have been going wrong. Yeah. And we're expecting a, a horde of girls ages 8 to 12 to, to kind of invade this room shortly. Um, not to mention how your keyboard's not working. Oh, look, we're back. Are we? There we there go. There we go. So if you hear or see a bunch of girls just charge and take over the space that's you've been why. warned you've been warned that's you've all been i can warned. tell you that's why um yeah but you know what it is it is uh I, i'll just do a little preview of the backgrounder then i'll do the backgrounder but the preview is 
It's good to keep in mind what inspired Jesus telling it. There are actually three little stories, but we'll, we hear the long one called the prodigal son shortly. Um, and the point is, sinners and tax collectors were coming in and eating with Jesus, mm -hmm. and the Pharisees were complaining. So what motivates these stories that we're, we'll focus on the one called the prodigal son is they didn't anticipate the Messiah, the chosen one of God, as we know, the son of God himself would be like doing those kinds of things, which would make him impure people that would, that the Pharisees would have avoided because they avoided impure people because impurity was catching, I guess you might say, but let's uh, look at the background if that's okay, Sam. You bet. And then we will enter into our, uh, Gospel for today. Just know that the background. Okay. All right. You had the screen up. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Take it away. Yep. As soon as I can read it, I will talk about oh, it. Sorry. That's all right. So it's a it's a familiar story. The question that came to my mind was uh, the question, where do you belong? Mm -hmm. uh, the two sons in the story both start in a home with a loving father who's wealthy and very generous. Despite all of this, Jesus tells us, neither of them really feels like he belongs. And it's money, which is very interesting. That, that was new to my, my thought process. Money is what divides them from the father. The younger son wants his inheritance now, like that's capital N-O-W, now. Which means, when do you ever get your inheritance? That's when your father dies, in his case. It means that he sees his father as already dead. There's no love there. There's no belonging. And the father actually seems foolish in agreeing to this request. The younger son predictably wastes all the money. That's the younger son. But how was the older son doing? He was doing his duty, but we can see he also felt he didn't belong because of the speech he gives his father towards the end of this passage. The older son resents the welcome the father gave the younger son. It seems that the older son has been carefully calculating how much he is owed. He's mad because the father has wasted so much money on the good-for-nothing younger son. So now think about where the son stand at the end of the story. The younger son has made a dramatic decision to return to his father, expecting to be treated like a servant who only works for pay. But the father welcomes him back with compassion, hugs him, treats him like an honored guest. So it's a massive celebration for him and shows him that he actually belongs and, and he knows he belongs at that point. But the older son is outside the celebration, rejecting his father's pleas to join in. Um, he does not feel like he belongs, and the compassionate father seems to have failed. That's where the story ends. Jesus is saying to them, the Pharisees were complaining, and to us that we all belong to a loving God who is our Father in heaven. To all who are far off, a royal welcome awaits. But to those of us who are faithful, like the older son, uh, the dutiful sons and daughters, Jesus is pleading that we join in the heavenly celebration for the returning younger siblings. We're looking at a theme called Journey to the Cross, you know, and, and I think we all need to see Jesus himself is going out on the, on, on the journey to the cross so, so that all sinners, that is all of us, can find our way home. And that's our backgrounder for this week. Okay. Let's... Uh... Before we read the gospel, we'll do a prayer. You want to take a swig of your coffee first before we... Sure. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. 
God, our Father in heaven, we praise you and we worship you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for our lives and uh, for the for each breath, which we know comes from you. We know that you sustain us and you give us life each and every moment. Uh, we know that you remember us, that you are paying attention to us, that if you forgot us even for one second, that we would cease to exist. You are always aware of us and aware of our needs, always loving us, always caring about us. And we just pray, Lord, that uh, as we read this passage today, though it's familiar to us, that you would inspire a discussion and inspire us to think about what it means for us as we journey through Lent, as we journey on the way to the cross. Help us to understand what it is that you want to say to us and help those who are listening and watching to experience the same thing. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay, we're going to do our gospel reading. It's from Luke chapter 15. Tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to listen to Jesus. But the Pharisees and scribes began to complain, saying, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So to them Jesus addressed this parable. A man had two sons, and the younger son said to his father, Father, give me the share of your estate that should come to me. So the father divided the property between them. After a few days, the younger son collected all his belongings and set off to a distant country where he squandered his inheritance on a life of dissipation. When he had freely spent everything, a severe famine struck that country and he found himself in dire need. So he hired himself out to one of the local citizens who sent him to his farm to tend the swine. And he longed to eat his fill of the pods on which the swine fed, but nobody gave him any. Coming to his senses, he thought, How many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food to eat? But here I am, dying from hunger. I shall get up and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Treat me as you would treat one of your hired workers." So he got up and went back to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father caught sight of him and was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. But his father ordered his servants, Quickly, bring the finest robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Take the fattened calf and slaughter it. Then let us celebrate with a feast, because this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. Then the celebration began. Now the older son had been out in the field, and on his way back, as he neared the house, he heard the sound of music and dancing. He called one of his servants and asked what this might mean. The servant said to him, Your brother has returned, and your father has slaughtered, slaughtered the fattened calf because he, he has him back safe and sound. He became angry, and when he refused to enter the house, his father came out and pleaded with him. He said to his father in reply, Look, all these years I served you, and not once did I disobey your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat to feast on with my friends. But when your son returns, who swallowed up your property with prostitutes, for him you slaughter the fattened calf. He said to him, My son, you are here with me always. Everything I have is yours. 
But now we must celebrate and rejoice because your brother was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and had been, has been found. That's something to focus on whenever you're ready, Sam. Okay, well, uh, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, I was focusing on the phrase, if you don't mind going at the top, I just want to make sure I get the right translation here. Uh, this man welcomes sinners and specifically and eats with them. I was really interesting because I've been thinking a lot about, uh, this is a weird thought, but how many people touch other people? It's a weird thought. Okay. But um, you could think about people's work in relation to that question of like when people are paid to touch other people or not, like personal support workers at nursing homes where I work, mm -hmm. they're literally paid to touch other people. Right. Like they wear gloves for sanitary reasons, but otherwise like give people hugs, put the hand on their shoulder. Um, yeah. So physically touching people, also eating with them, right? They're, it's a very physical thing to do. It's not just like he, they drew near to him, the tax collectors and sinners. They were actually eating with Jesus. And in the parable, the big thing is who's going to eat? And what are they going to eat? The, the father kills a fatted calf so that they can uh, eat with the, with the younger son. Mm -hmm. And the older son does not want to come and eat with them, but is, is complaining because he didn't get a goat to eat with his friend. So I'm just thinking about how eating establishes a bond between people. And if I'm not mistaken, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but part of the, uh, the alpha, little alpha group that, that's going on you guys have uh, a light meal. Yep. And when we had our Unify service, which was both for churchgoers and for seekers, we had a, a cafe. So eating, seems to me, is really, really important. And in the Catholic faith, we focus on the Mass with the Eucharist. We, we believe we're eating mm -hmm. Jesus himself. So it's like he ate with sinners. It's that one way of identifying Jesus is he ate with sinners. We're eating the, the Lamb of God at the Mass. You know? That's right. He's the Lamb of God. And... Uh... Bread of life. I was thinking of there. There might I don't know if this is correct or not, but there might be a comparison between the slaughter of the fattened calf and the slaughter of the Lamb of God. Oh yeah, really the the fattened calf is the the loser in this whole story. <laughs> you know, yeah, he, this, the fattened calf gives his life essentially for this celebration. You know, I wouldn't say gives. No, but like his life dies, is taken from his him. Life is taken from him. Yeah, he dies for it. Mm -hmm. um, I was I guess I was focusing on the celebration. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know which line it was exactly. There are a couple. Um, the celebration began. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just, again, I, I, when I read this story, I'm struck by the, um, the response of the father to this son who has really let him down. I mean, really, really. The younger son. We're talking about the younger up. son. The younger son. Yeah. Really messed things up badly. Mm-hmm. And uh, is is coming back, um, but that that coming back is cause for celebration, mm -hmm. like in spite of what what he's done and how he's wasted everything, as the older brother says on prostitutes and God knows what else. You yeah, know, we can just imagine. 
Um, there's, there's incredible joy on the part of the father and, and I guess also the servants and the friends and family who would have come to the celebration. Sure. Wouldn't have just been the father and the son. It was That's right. Everybody. And I was just thinking about, you know, that verse that how the angels celebrate in heaven when one sinner repents. Mm -hmm. Here's a sinner in the story, a sinner repenting, yep. coming back to his father, meekly seeking mm -hmm. mercy to be treated like a slave or like a servant. And God's, not God's, the father's, response is extravagant the ring the robe the celebration the fattened calf yeah it's extravagant it's not like yeah you did you did something terrible you know i guess you can you know well you can come back you can have your old room you know no it's like over the top and what it says to me i just want to check on something yeah it's good what it says to me is that that's that's really the response of god the father i and it's funny you should mention alpha there's almost this fear when people are starting to realize that they're seeking God. Hmm. I think this fear that they will be that they're they're like a letdown, right? Right. Like, like all not the years I've wasted, all the relationships I've I've messed up. Yeah. All the, the marriages that are failed, the children that won't talk to me, the I've ruined my health, I've ruined whatever. Yep. Right. You've yep. really messed things up. Maybe someone who's listening. Mm -hmm. Or watching, maybe maybe you you feel that way. You've really really done it, right? Yeah. Can I go back? I think most people know they can, but there's almost this fear that like God will be God will let you come back, but He's sort of like gonna wag His finger at you, be like, and you'll never really belong. You're, you're kind of you can come back, but you're kind of a screw up. <laughs> yeah. I I and I'm thinking of people like in particular that I know. That's just how they they approach God, and. I think that what the moral of this story is, no, God and his angels, they throw a celebration when you come back. And not only the first time you come back, but every time you come back, because I'm the prodigal son over and over and over and over again, returning to the father, having done something terrible. You know, I go to, con I, mm -hmm. sitting there in the confessional, you know, confessing this, whatever <laughs> I've done, you know, and every time it's the same. God always, I mean, his, his mercy and his joy return is so great. I, that's what I want people to take away. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely true. Uh, a lot depends for if someone who's seeking, in my opinion, people I know seeking in a way that kind of worries me even on the kind of welcome I give them. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. they don't. If people have not necessarily experienced God, which some people would say they haven't, like not consciously experienced God in their life, it's like they, they really, God kind of depends on Christians who already know him to welcome oh, people. Yeah. And that's kind of worrying. Uh, like, oh. Uh, well, yeah, like, like it. Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Like, um, you know, we put a lot of thought into who is they're sort of representing God yeah. when someone comes. Like, for instance, at Uni Unify, we, we've mm -hmm. set it up, we expect people to come who are maybe it's their first time back or they haven't been in a while or maybe they've never been or whatever. Sure. And so we intentionally put people in their path that we know will give them this kind of welcome, like the prodigal son. Right. Or at least that we hope will. Yeah. yeah. But you're right. None of this is perfect. This is like a, but this is like a shift in... 
Like it's very difficult for a lot of church going people, especially Catholics, mm-hmm. who maybe come their whole life. There's almost we we tend to feel like the older son. You know, kind of like with disdain, like, well, yeah, you know, we and almost like they might ignore or tolerate a person Mm -hmm. who's there for the first time, but certainly not a warmth or like a joy, right? Not a celebration, not a celebration, which worries me, you know, right? Like you said, it's worrisome, yeah, yeah. And it is good to think about the older son because you can always put yourself in, I can always put myself in his position because. Oh, I, yeah. I can look at other churchgoers and say, well, they're not good enough churchgoers. And the problem is, what is the, old, like the, the oldest son is focusing on what he's done for the father. And he's done what the father expected. From what right. we can his, tell, he has fulfilled the father's expectations. His works. That's my glasses. Yeah, That's okay. It. Thank you. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and that there's a lot to that. I mean, mm-hmm. being reliable and fulfilling your commitments. Sure. Um, I, I found a line. It took me a couple of minutes to look it up here in the Bible, uh, but it's it's when uh, the prophet Samuel is going to anoint a new king for Israel. Saul's already king. He anoints the youngest son of Jesse, whose name mm-hmm. is David, the seventh son, and like all the older, full-grown sons of Jesse are put aside. Yeah. Um, the Lord said to Samuel, "This is this is what Samuel's coming with." Do not judge from his appearance nor from his lofty stature. Not as man sees does God see, because man sees the appearance, but the Lord looks into the heart. The Lord looks into the heart. So the father is looking into the heart of the son, both sons, actually. The Lord looks into their hearts. And and God knows whether what we're doing is coming from love for him or simply out of obligation. Like uh, you might say between even obedience, obedience you could say is out of love, but obligation is just because if I do these things, then you have to give me what I expect. Like the older son expects eventually to inherit the property or have the property or whatever Mm -hmm. the case. He expects and he should have gotten in his mind, he deserved to have gotten a kid goat, a young goat. So it's weird the sense of expectation that I think I have because of the things I do for God or for the church or for people in need. Um, anyone can be the older son is my point. Cause it's based on like, because I'm doing this, I have expectations that are good and you God need to fulfill those expectations. And other people have to recognize that I just thinking of the Pharisees, right? Who, who wants to be the Pharisees? They're obviously the bad guy in the story. The older son is the bad guy in the story. Right. But that's kind of a, I, I think the whole point is to get our attention, mm-hmm. and I think I think Jesus is trying to get us just to focus on the celebration. Mm-hmm. It's it's not a, an expectation. Yeah, it's kind of a funny a funny place coming in Lent in a way, right? Um, sort of think of it like we're sort of on the way home. To think about our Lenten journey and the sure our theme. Mm-hmm. Um, we're on the way home to Easter where the celebration will take place. But yeah, I was thinking about, um, you know, like what, um, what is it that makes God happy is a good question. Right. And there's a line that's repeated over and over again in the Psalms and mm-hmm. in the readings during Lent 
which is I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Not over and over, but a few times. Yeah, yeah. And it's a line I didn't understand growing up or like as I, when I would read it, mm -hmm. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Mm -hmm. it, it just reminds me that, that God is actually most interested in us. Right. So let's say we do something good for God, nice for God. Okay. It's whatever. Um, what give an example, um, pray a rosary. Okay. Pray a rosary. Obviously that pleases God. Mm -hmm. It's good. But the reason it pleases God is not because it does something for him. It's because it, so it does something for us, right? Right. He's happy when his children are happy. And like a father can relate to that. I as a father can relate to that. Um, when my kids do something good, I, it makes me happy. But really, ultimately, what I want is at least what I should want. I'm selfish too. <laughs> but what mm -hmm. I should want is their happiness, right? So God's interested in that. He, he loves pouring his mercy upon us because he knows what it does for us because he wants us restored and returned, right? Returned into his family because of that will make us happy because he wants to share his life with us. And he doesn't want us to be like alienated and, and distant and hurting and, and alone. Right. He so... wants us to be with him because of the good it does us. Mm -hmm. And I guess like it's tempting to feel like when we do things, that we're we're sort of helping him out, right? Right. Um, so the the so the problem with the older son is he is substituting fulfilling duty out of obligation mm -hmm. for um, lovingly doing what the father wants, and there's a big difference because. Hmm. Can you see the difference? Yes, mm -hmm. we've talked about this before. I think it's important is one one characteristic of someone who does something out of love is the focus of what they're doing is not themselves. Yeah, it's outside of themselves. It's yeah. outside of themselves. Selfless. Right. Not selfish. Sure, sure. So you can still care about what you're doing and want to do it well. And I think we should. Um, everything we do, we should do to give glory to God. But But if the motive is to give glory to ourselves, then... The question is more like the older son, which I think I can fall into, anyone can fall into. Am I getting what I want? Are people paying attention to me? Am I, am I accumulating money or power? Um, in other words, just focusing on myself. And I think that's something the Pharisees, Jesus, I would say Jesus has compassion for the Pharisees, like the father's compassion for the older son. Because at the end of the at the end of the parable the story he tells, it's the older son who's not yet responded to, to the father's compassion, mm, which right? Is, which is ironic because he he was the one doing right his father's will the whole time, right? right? But his heart isn't in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, his heart mm -hmm. isn't. He he had he hasn't understood the heart of the father yet, mm -hmm. and so he's actually on the outside. It, um, something I didn't notice before reading this is that the celebration started before the older son even got back. Right. The older son was out working yeah. diligently yeah, yeah. doing his father's will yeah. out in the um, mm -hmm. field or whatever, mm -hmm. tending the flock, harvesting, whatever he's doing. Yeah. And he comes back to his surprise to find this party going on while he was out working. You can see why he was annoyed. Sure. I think like generally anybody in that situation would have been kind of annoyed. Right. Like what, what gives? Like you didn't even go and get me. Yeah. You know, 
But at the same time, he's missing. His heart isn't there. He's missing it. Okay, so I'll tell you why I'm a lot like the older son. Okay. The I already son. know, but you can tell me anyway. What? Somebody else might, might be curious. Why don't you say? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Think you know. <laughs> How well do you know me anyway? No. Uh, <laughs> it's, I think it's, we're, aren't we all like the older son well, and the younger son be. at times? We can be. Yeah. Well, part of my, at least part of my personality or character, if you like, is I'm always calculating. Which I'm trying to figure out. I'm trying to get the like a good outcome, and, and the calculation, like figuring things out. Like, if I do this, then that. If I do that, then that. No, it, it's my mind is always kind of working like that, and I can lose sight of even myself as a person, let alone the other person I'm with or people I'm with. Um. And and doing things out of love is so different than doing because out of love is out of love for the one for whom I'm doing them. Ultimately, I hope God. Versus, like, I'm getting done what I need to get done. Yeah. Yeah. And so you you've so you used the phrase on the task, right? You could say the task, but you the sacrifice say, and not the mercy, right? Yeah. Which is to say, what is it? What does it mean? Like First Samuel 16 is a passage I looked at, which is God judges what's or God sees what's in the heart. Yeah. And so when he saw the two, if you compare it to the two sons, right. He looks at the younger son and he sees repentance. Yes. And he looks at the older son and he sees right. kind of an obsession with doing stuff. Yeah, yeah. Doing the right things, but his heart wasn't there. So I believe, and I think you would agree, I'm thinking of your music ministry, but God wants us to do things well. Or I preach, I preach once in a while, right? God wants us to do things well. Doing a bad job in a kind of affectionate way is not actually the same as love, right? Like if you actually love someone and you love what you're doing to, and the focus is on that, uh, that other person, you want to do a great job for them. I don't know. That is important. Skill is important to God. Mm -hmm. Developing the gifts he's given us, yeah. sharing them with other people and that. Yeah. And being diligent with the tasks you're given is also important. Mm -hmm. It's not that it's not important, but I would say we have to know why we're doing them. There's, yeah. there's also the there's also like the, the the older son didn't want to celebrate, right? So he he had no joy. He didn't. He was missing joy, right? And joy to me is a something I struggle to have sometimes, but um, it's a it's a sign, a fruit mm -hmm. of the spirit at work. You right? know, <clears throat> I I remember this is years ago. It stuck with me. This priest was giving a talk when I was saying to be a deacon, to deacons and our wives, and he says, the closest bond you have as a married couple comes from eating together. No matter what you might think mm -hmm. about married life, it's actually eating together that really bonds people. And you think about that, because, it, because of course that applies not just to married, married couples of a certain kind of intimacy specific to married life, um, but children, strangers, like we're talking about with, with regard to Alpha or the Unify program that we had here, we had guests we never met before who came in. Um, when you eat with someone, you form a bond with them. And you almost like, when you think about impurity, the focus on purity is really, really important to God. But purity is not, it does not start in the externals. It starts on the inside. A pure heart created for me, oh God. Where's that from? I don't know. Sorry. Uh, Psalm 51. Thank you. I, that's really helpful. Yep. I probably prayed every Friday. Probably. Uh, and blessed are the pure of heart, they shall see God. That's, that's actually from the Beatitudes, uh, Matthew chapter 5, I think. Mm -hmm. Purity starts in the heart. 
So yeah. the, the Pharisees were focusing on purity. That was a big deal to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, who was it? Was it Jesus who said, these people on this? Oh, no, it was a, that was a prophet. This people honor me with their lips, yeah. but their hearts are far from me, yeah. right? So they were saying the right things, but they were, mm -hmm. their heart was uh, not in the right place. So if you're pure of heart, you do the Lord's will, and you do it well to the best of your ability. You try to do it better. But the most important thing is where it starts from the heart. And I think that allows, that makes room for other people, including for people who are far away. And then, then, then you're not focusing so much on yourself that you miss, you lose the people you're serving. Guests, people far from God, etc. Right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay, I want to ask you a hard question because it's oh, been on me. I love asking you hard questions, Sam. Yeah, that's I why I come. <laughs> like, <clears throat> I'll sit up straight. Okay. There we go. So I was talking to our, my daughter May. Our daughter May. Uh oh. Um, yeah, no, even harder question. It's a May question. I know. Which is, uh, it's something like you can't convince people by reasoning with them to follow Jesus. Mm -hmm. Although reasoning can play a part in it, right? Mm -hmm. So someone, she was actually just printed a dialogue between these two guys one an ex-Catholic, one, one an ex-Evangelical, they're both stand-up comedians. I might even use it this Sunday when I'm preaching. It's just like, how do people who are sort of, were on the inside, now on the outside, looking at Christians, looking at Catholics, and what are they seeing? And, and their point is like, we, we, they're like, they appreciate their family members who are like good people, kind people, but like, they don't really understand the whole Jesus thing. What difference does that make? From their point of view, it's like, well, you know, my, my family, they're, they're really kind, they're good people, they help people in need. Etc. But why do we need the whole Jesus thing? And so I'm looking at this from the point of view of it's as if, quote unquote, the younger son, they're not the younger son per se. In God's eyes, we're all the same, but but they're looking at, at, at faith in Jesus, faith in God from the outside. And how, what can we do if, if, if you're a Christian? I know this is a question we ask. I ask in different ways each week, I think. It's like, if someone says, yeah, you know, you're a good person, you're a kind person, but I don't really need that Jesus guy because he's just a guy. What would I say to someone if they said that? Well, that or just when you think about that, yeah. Um, I guess I've over time I've come to just recognize that you can't rush it. It being? Entry into the, the faith or okay. entry into Christianity. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That um, if someone is asking that, um, it's, it's like you said, it's not, it's not like you can convince somebody to become a Christian mm -hmm. or inform them enough that they'll become a Christian. You can answer their questions, but at the end of the day, it, it comes down to an experience, mm -hmm. right? Um, mm -hmm. I guess I focus on, uh, none of this is a straight answer. I, I admit. I'm asking but, hard um, questions. It is a hard okay. question. Yeah. Um, Sometimes it takes an experience like the like the prodigal son had, where he's at the end of his rope. Right. Where he comes to a point where nothing he's, he's tried has worked. Mm -hmm. He thought all of this would would be it. Like like all he had to do was go out and have fun. Right. Spend all his money. Right. Uh, live loosely. 
Yeah. That this, finally then he'd be happy. Right. And what did he discover? Not only was he not happy, but he was destitute, mm-hmm. hungry, physically hungry. Mm-hmm. And that he longed to be back with his father. He had an emptiness in his heart that he recognized. But, but, but he was... Because of his yeah. hardships that he recognized it. But he didn't expect to be taken back as, as a beloved That's returning true. son. And I guess the older son's trying to do something similar. With, with He has a different strategy. Yeah. His strategy is, I'll do everything I'm told to do. You, you use the phrase a lot, which I, I certainly relate to this phrase as something is meaningful to me. It's like, I, I'm doing the Father's will. I'm doing God's will. Yeah. Uh, and that's not the same thing as actually experiencing God's love. Yeah, that's right. So he wasn't the, so the older son, actually, like you said, he had a different strategy trying to achieve right. fulfillment yeah. and happiness. And it was doing the Father's will. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't there yet as far as understanding that. Or experiencing. Or experiencing. I use the word belonging. The love. Yeah, that belonging, right. And that's why he stood outside the celebration. Right. And he came back. He said, remember, he stood outside the celebration. Mm -hmm. The father had to come out and and talk him into coming in. Or tried, anyway. Tried. And the parable, I remember. The parable ends inconclusive. The same priest who was talking about the bond between people being more through food than we might think of sex or whatever. But. But more through food than anything else. And he also said this, like, I think it's the only parable that just, like, doesn't end. This parable does not end. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's it's so weak. It's a strange parable because it doesn't end. Yeah. It, it's almost an invitation. It sort of leaves it up to you. Yeah. To the Pharisees in that situation. Yeah, who were the older brother. Like the yeah. older brother. Because, like you said, it was after he had eaten with sinners, mm-hmm. the... Those that the Pharisees despised and never would have even touched or gone. Yeah, to yeah. And uh, he was throwing it kind of back at back at them, right? Like, who are you in this story? You're not the prodigal son. You're the other guy. You're the one standing outside. Right. Which reminds me of a lot of what he says, which is, you know, the, this sort of belonging and then the people outside where there's weeping and gnashing mm-hmm. teeth, this like place of separation and isolation. Yeah. That's where the Pharisees are. And that's where that's where you end up if you're not... You can be in that spot for years because because yeah. you are literally fulfilling what the father expects without actually belonging to him. Anyway, yeah, yeah. These, these are like I think good reflections for me as we're focusing on the journey to the cross because the, it's on the cross that Jesus reveals the lengths to which he will go personally to invite us into the feast. Absolutely, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah time for prayer yep okay gracious and loving god you are throwing a big party for us for each one of us and for all of us together and uh i pray that as much as we're divided from each other and from you that in this season of journeying to the cross which we call lent in the faith uh each one of us will allow our hearts to be softened and and walls between us and between us and you to be broken down so that we can just enter more and more into the celebration of your love for us and i pray for all those who are um, close to you in body but don't always feel close to you in spirit that you may fill us with your love in a in a new way that all the all the ways that we're trying to serve you will not be for our glory or because it's what we think, but because it's of love for you and, and for your glory. And I pray for those who may not feel close to you right now, may feel far from you. I have no idea what this is all about. I pray for all those who are far away that 
that your Holy Spirit working through us and, and working in their hearts will touch them in ways that we cannot expect and don't know. But you are surprising God and you do incredible things. And we give you praise and glory, especially for your son, Jesus. And we thank you, Jesus, for all the blessings that you have given us through your death on the cross and your rising from the dead. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us this week, everybody. Have a great fourth Sunday of Lent. Thank you, Charles, for being here. Good to be here. Hope to see you next week. Hope to see you next week. God bless you all. See you later. Bye.